Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. A geek video. Visit tunein.alphageekradio.com to learn more. Finally, Friday is being brought to you this week by Major Spoilers VIPs and Patreon members from around the world. You can find out more and you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. Well, hello, everyone. Man, seems like it's been forever since we've seen each other. And it's been a while since we've seen each other. A lot of reasons for that. Uh, a couple of weeks, I think we only had one episode in September. September's a weird month, it seems like. Uh, but a couple of times where we had to cancel, I was uh, talking with potential uh, advertisers for the show that had to pop in and change a schedule at the last minute. Another one, I was doing an interview uh, that had to be changed at the last minute so that um, uh, so we could prep for this upcoming podcast that we're working on. And then just, you know, in general, just a bunch of other different things going on, which caused all sorts of turmoil uh, for Fridays, Friday afternoons, also a September. So a lot of back to school things going on. Um and uh, traveling out of towns for traveling soccer. I want to talk about soccer a little bit later in the show, probably in about five or ten minutes. I want to talk to you about some experiences that we had with our first traveling soccer event. Uh, and then, of course, the phone lines will be open at 785-727-1939. That's the number that you will want to call, 785-727-1939. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, why don't we... Hit some news. It's been a while since we've done some news. And let's start things off with some Batwoman news. If you are a fan of Batwoman, she's currently appearing in the Detective Comics series, and uh, it's going over very well. It's uh, pretty intense and scary. You'll be happy to know that Batwoman is getting her own series again in 2017. Marguerite Bennett will be writing The Adventures of Batwoman with Steve Epting, Epting, providing the art. Now, Epting hasn't done art for DC Comics in about 15 years, so this is kind of a big deal. Uh, but just before that Batwoman series runs uh, itself, uh, Bennett will team with James Tinney and the Fourth on, or Tynan the Fourth, on Batwoman Begins a two-issue arc in Detective Comics, and then uh, this will all happen after Night of the Monster Men, and uh, we'll get to see our own Batwoman series going forward. This uh, Batwoman has won uh, many awards in the uh, last uh, decade uh, because of her portrayal for LGBT um, uh, diversity, and I expect that it will continue that uh, going forward. On the Lego news front, oh, a lot of uh, Lego sets being unveiled at the New York Comic Con. 
but LEGO has announced the DC Superheroes Girls Collection. Now, if you're familiar with the DC Superhero, Super, Superhero Girls, it's an online animated series, I think it's also on television now, that shows the adventures of your favorite DC heroes and villains as they go to uh, high school together. And it's a very popular, and as I said, LEGO is releasing LEGO sets based on this, so they're showing them off at the New York Comic Con. The plans were to have all of these sets come out in January of 2017, but because of the holiday season and because they want to capitalize on the popularity of these heroes and get a lot of people on board, the, they will be releasing three sets in November. So the DC Superhero Girls Batgirl Batjet retailing at $24.99, Harley Quinn to the Rescue at $29.99, and the Superhero High School, a $79 set or an $80 set, will be available beginning on November 27th in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, and then will launch globally in uh, 2017. The three additional building sets uh, will be Lachina's Tank, Bumblebee's Helicopter, and Wonder Woman's Dorm Room. Those will all be coming in January of 2017. A lot of talk this week about Wonder Woman, actually the last couple of weeks, about Wonder Woman and her sexuality, which is probably why Sony was quick to nab the uh, rights to a Professor Marsden uh, biopic. This comes from Deadline.com. Sony Pictures Worldwide Acquisitions has acquired worldwide rights to um, Topple Productions and Box Spring Entertainment's Professor Marsden and Wonder Woman, or and the woman, Wonder Woman. An unconventional true story of behind uh, behind the scenes creation of the most famous female comic book character of all time, written and directed by Angela Rob, uh, Robinson. The indie feature began production this week and stars Luke Evans, Rebecca Hall, and Bella Heathcote. Uh, Professor Marston, as many of you know, Doctor William Marston, um, was a Harvard psychologist who invented um, the um, the lie detector machine, and then he went on to create Wonder Woman in 1941. It's also interesting to note that he was married to his uh, wife, uh, Elizabeth, and they had a polyamorous relationship with Olive Byrne, who is also a, a scientist and a student of Marsden, um, uh, before they started their relationship. So that will be a very interesting um, a movie when it finally is released. If you're watching the video feed on this over at Alpha Geek Media or on the YouTube channel, if you're trying to figure out who is who, uh, in the center of this picture is uh, Marsden, and then on the upper right, that is his uh, wife, Elizabeth, and then in the bottom right-hand corner is is Olive. So that is the three of them there. This was, I think, taken in the 1950s or 60s uh, for that picture. And finally today, not to just uh, make this all DC Comics news, Iron Fist is coming and it's getting a release date on March 17th, 2017. The news was announced earlier this week and we know that it will have 13 one-hour episodes. It's coming a lot sooner than I think a lot of us uh, thought, right on the heels of Luke Cage, which uh, launched last week to rave success, so much so that it seems to have taken down Netflix with its um, with its popularity. Will Iron Fist have the same success? We'll find out in March of 2017. So there you go. There are some of the stories that are kicking around the uh, the the pop culture and comic book universe. Um, and we will open the phone lines now, 785-727-1939. That's the number that you want to call. Or look for Stephen underscore Schleicher on Skype. 
We got a bunch of people already in the chat. I see Nate Olson is in there. Hopefully Nate is doing well following Hurricane Matthew ripping up the uh, Florida coast. Um, a lot of talk about that, and a lot of focus on that. So uh, hopefully everyone is doing well. And let's see what else is going on. Up, oh, <laughs> Olin pops in and then he has to go. And then he left. Way to go, Olin. Uh, I guess his schedule has been very messed up. So what else has been happening in the last couple of weeks since we last talked? Again, it's been a very long time. I've gotten a couple of things in the mail. I don't know if I've shown this one off before, uh, but it is the uh, Storm King's Thunder. It's the new module for Dungeons and Dragons. This actually came out at the beginning of September, but this is the new storyline that is going on uh, right now over at uh, fifth edition of, of Dungeons and Dragons. And it tells the tale of the giants around the world uh, just breaking all their packs and going after people left and right. And it has everything that you need to run a campaign um, featuring the, the Storm King's Thunder. I also got, oh, I think that's what's in this box. Let me, let me grab this really quick. Wondered what was in this box. Uh, I don't know if I released a video on this yet or not, but um, a couple of things that Wizards of the Coast sent. They sent this very neat kind of scroll introducing everything that was going on in the uh, in the set and the adventure. And then they also included because this is one of the new things that uh, goes with this adventure is um, what is it? Rune magic, I believe, is what it is. And so I got this nice little box, and inside is a cherry rune magic token i don't know which way is up on this maybe it's this way but i thought that was really kind of cool uh to check out and i've been kind of flipping through i haven't had a whole lot of time but i've been kind of flipping through the storm king thunders um campaign and it looks very interesting it'd be kind of fun to run at some point in the future i know i had, I had um, on the critical hit show i'd asked several people to write in and, and let me know if they had been checking this out or not and um one a uh, person wrote in and she said that they've been having a lot of fun playing Storm King Thunder at their local uh, gaming shop. So I know some people are really getting a kick out of that book and uh, in that campaign and are, are having a lot of fun with it. Then just yesterday, again, if you follow me on Instagram, I think it's just Steven Schleicher, I think is what it is. I had to close the Schleicher account because it kept getting hacked by somebody. So I just shut that down or it's maybe running by itself and who knows what's going on. Um, so if you're following Schleicher and it's really weird, that's probably not me. So go look for Steven Schleicher. Uh, so Wizards of the Coast yesterday sent me this book on dun uh, called Dungeonology. It's not a campaign module or anything like that. Um, but it, get, it takes you on a journey through Forgotten Realms, and it does it kind of in a way that you're reading a textbook uh, written by um, the guy who wrote um, um, One of the Forgotten Realms. And inside are all sorts of little cool things like this says, don't break the seal unless you're such and such a person. So you break that open and there's things inside of that. And then you get into, um, you know, descriptions of the land. Now, this is maybe a little hard to see here, but uh, you also have, let me get to a page, like you have a bunch of inserts and a lot of descriptions of things that are going on, little booklets uh, inserted throughout this piece. There's a giant map in the middle that actually unfolds that shows all of the Forgotten Realms, and it's it's very cool. It's a very cool book. Again, I haven't had time to read everything through it, but it kind of gives you an overview of what you can expect in the world of, um, of Forgotten Realms. And for some reason, I kind of feel that it's like um, 
the book series that J.K. Rowling wrote that's now being turned into a, a movie, a Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, right? You know that this is a book that's in the Harry Potter universe, and now you have the the book, uh, the textbook that tells a different story. And I think that's kind of what this is. There's also a little guide to the Forgotten Realms in here um, that gives you all a bunch of cults and some additional things to to go through. So I really got a kick out of this book. I don't think that this is necessary for... Um, you know, gameplay or anything like that. But maybe if you had a friend that was sitting around going, oh man, I don't know about this Dungeons and Dragons thing. What is it about? And you pick up this book or if you already have it, it's like $24.95. You give it to them, let them explore and learn. I think that that would be a very cool uh, book to have in your collection. So that is Dungeonology. It comes out in November. I know it's October now, so you've got a month uh, to go on that. Um... What else? Oh, here's another one that was sent to us. And this one I think is really neat. It's a it's an upcoming game that is going to be uh, kickstarted very soon. It's called Five Minute Dungeon. And it's from the company, I think it's called Wiggle3D is the company's name. Whoops, sorry, hit the mic there. Um, five Minute Dungeon is literally a game that you and your friends play in five minutes. And you have, there's a lot of card play. I, I just literally got this about a, an hour or so ago. Um, but you and your friends um, have decks. You take on a role, you know, the adventurer, the the barbarian, the magician, whatever. And so you have these different roles and you're trying to defeat the boss of the dungeon in five minutes. So, for example, here's a baby barbarian is the uh, one you have to feat, defeat in five minutes. And so I think you have to get these specific items and 20 cards to um, to defeat that boss. And there's a timer app that you download. I suppose you could just use any five-minute timer, but I don't know if the timer uh, app in this uh, does anything different. Uh, but it seems like a really fun game uh, to check out. And I'll be checking this out with the rest of the Munchkin land crew, um, in a couple of weeks, probably. Uh, but the Kickstarter for this also kicks off in November. And I want you for some of you who are VIP members, for those of you who are major spoilers, um, uh, Patreon members, you probably have, uh, especially if you're the VIP site, you've have access to a bunch of art, just random stuff. Some of it is the Dungeons and Dragons uh, critical hit art. Some of it is the Munchkin Land original art. Uh, for those of you that are that are Patreon members, you should have gotten already one month's worth of uh, postcard art. And the next one will be probably being processed on Monday. And you'll get the next month's art, which I think is pretty cool. And then the month after that is pretty cool, too. But you may notice some similarities between the art that we have on our site and the art that adorns this game. And I didn't realize this until after they had sent it to me and I had reached out to uh, to the artist, Alex. Uh, he actually is doing the art on this. So if you love Alex's art from, from the Major Spoilers VIP or Patreon site, there's a whole bunch of his art in this five-minute dungeon game that is being kickstarted in November. So be on the lookout for that. I was really pleased and tickled by that. And uh, he and I had exchanged some emails, and he said, oh, I didn't even know that that was out yet. So uh, there you go. Really cool things going on and, and glad to see that Alex uh, has that going on as well. So again, the phone lines are open 785-727-1939. Some more people are joining in on the YouTube chat. I see just the red is in Dr. Brad will is in. Oh my gosh. Uh, we are officially kind of done recording all of the episodes of Munchkin land for this year. So every episode that you hear going forward, except for the Munchkin minutes are going to be, 
uh, shows that we've previously recorded. So there's video episodes, there's audio episodes and those kinds of things. Oh, speaking of Brad, you were wondering, we had played, um, uh, Marvel Munchkin not too long ago. And you were wondering when Marvel Munchkin two would come out. It is out now. I got mine earlier this week, last week. I can't remember. It's the expansion for Marvel Munchkin. And of course it adds new door or new doors and, and, um, um, loot in this, the shield door, shield, uh, chest. So you have things to add into it, like a level one hammer agent that has a plus three, uh, against anyone with uh, no affiliation. And then you also have uh, some mind control powers and different kinds of things. It kind of follows the, the super munchkin thing. But the other thing that it adds, which I think is really kind of cool is it adds dungeons to the gameplay. And I know some people don't like dungeons or don't like the, uh, uh, the portals or whatever that you have in there, but this one is actually cool. One of the cards that I'm, I'm looking at right now is the Asgard card, which means as long as you're in this dungeon, you can't win at level 10 it's not good enough for Asgardians. You have to reach a level 13 to win. So you could theoretically have everybody at the table at level 10 or 11 as they try to reach a level 13. This dungeon closes and then suddenly everybody wins. So uh, that's kind of cool. That's And that's exactly what it says here on the back of this, uh, of this dungeon card. So yes, uh, Brad, Marvel Munchkin 2 Mystic, what is it called? Mystic Mayhem is out now. And it's really kind of uh, interesting that the art features Luke Cage, Doctor Strange, and Iron Fist because those are the current three properties that are currently out there. Luke Cage just came out. Uh, Doctor Strange comes out November 2nd cannot, or November 4th. Cannot wait for that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Iron Fist, Danny Rand, comes out in March. So uh, be on the lookout for that in a future episode. Um, but real quick, Brad, we have been playing this other game uh, in the uh, in this uh break time for about the next month. And it has been a lot of fun. And Brad is a great storyteller. So I just wanted to throw that out there to everyone who is, uh, who's, uh, listening. Let us go to the Skype line. Hello. Who is this? Hey, Steven and Nato. What's up? Hey, Nate, what is up with you? I've been kind of worried about you, buddy. Uh, for, for the last uh, couple of days, I was like, man, I sure hope Nate is okay. And then last yeah, night you had sent out your, uh, your munchkin preparedness kit. Uh, oh yes. In Instagram. And then I hadn't heard anything this morning. So I was kind of hoping that you are making it okay through hurricane Matthew. Yeah, no, it, uh, it passed through last night. Luckily this thing, it was so weird. It basically devastated Haiti and the Bahamas, but luckily for us, it was on the West side and the bands are, or basically the storm itself was banded. So it wasn't, mm. Constant. contained or condensed on the west side, which is always the weakest side while yeah. it's traveling. Mm-hmm. So um, we just got a lot of bands, you know, rain and winds, you know, from time to time. Nothing sustained um, at all. We lost power for about two hours. Oh, that's not bad. Um, now, from 1 a.m. to like 3, and then it came back on, and then um, the storm basically passed through, the, through our area. There's been like... Um, gusts around 40 or 50 miles mm-hmm. an hour, about 20 sustained. So it's, it's been, um, it's actually been quite a quiet. Um, I was driving, I had to drive into work to bring a couple of my locations up and running, uh, today or production facility. Cause it takes a long time for them to kind of reprep everything and get everything up and running. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically bring everything back up and make sure the network was running. So good. But it, it wasn't as, is, I mean, yes, it was still a category four, 
but the Bahamas, I mean, they, they were they they got pummeled, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, up up in the Space Coast and Jacksonville and um, um, Southern Georgia, there they're going to get hammered with it. They've been getting a lot of wind and rain for the last twenty four hours because of the storm's so big. So. Well, that's not uh, that's not good. How has uh, like Miami, Fort Lauderdale area? How have they done? Well, nothing. They 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 were fine. Actually, my locations down there were up and running first thing this morning. Wow, so that's a, that's surprising. Cause I, I saw that they were on the course, and then I went to bed last night and uh, got up this morning and saw that it was already halfway up the coast. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's all right. But I had seen that the governor was expecting that uh, it might be a month or so for some of these locations to be without power and. I don't know if that's really the case now or not. Now there is late in the afternoon. Yeah, there, there's. I mean, there were some people without power um, in Fort Lauderdale and stuff. I mean, there's trees that fall and things like that. But they, I mean, they this kind of buckled a little to the east a little more than they thought it was going to coming mm-hmm. up. They thought they thought there was going to be a lot closer to the west or to the coastline. So they. Um, Ever since I want to say I think it was Hurricane Charlie or something, there was a, a town over on the west coast, and this thing just took a note, mm-hmm. basically just took a southern dip and leveled this location. And ever since then, it's like worst case scenario. Everyone's worst case scenario. So we actually had people on the west coast say, "You got to get out of there. Come on this side. You're gonna yeah. die." Yeah, like, guys, it's well, there was mandatory evacuation <laughs> in a lot of parts of the of the state, though. Yes, any any coastal uh, there, there's different zones. So um, I think I want to say there's five or six zones. I can't remember, but like zone one is anything like mobile home, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Get out of there. Uh, zone two is kind of the same thing, but it's um, barrier islands. Um, you're basically because we have like the intercoastal waterway, so right, you right. have basically a body of water between another part of land, and then we have the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, so those you know those islands are evacuated. And like Zone Three, it's the you know the ones close to the intercoastal, close to any type of waterway, because we have Lake Okeechobee. And depending on how the the wind goes and the water, it pushes the water um, you know close to the shore at the lake. So there's areas there that have to, even though they're you know inland, but the storm was so big they had mandatory evacuations for them too. So. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm glad you're all right, and it looks like everyone else yeah. is okay for right now. So, uh, crisis averted. Yep. So, what what else is going on? What yeah. else is on your mind besides lots of wind and rain? <laughs> uh, not much. Uh, I did. I get to. I did get to watch Luke Cage, which good. I thought was really good. Yeah. Did you get to watch um, all of it? Have you watched actually, all 13 I, episodes? I I started watching the 13th episode last night before the power went out, or by before I passed out. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been going nonstop for like 48 hours now. But I'm the, sure. Um, yeah, but the uh, yes, but I, I've seen most of it. I mean, I kind of get the gist of what I was falling asleep and watching last night. But um, you know, the only thing I was wondering, and I mean, with the, I want to know how how you know how everyone is is accepting of what they portrayed there in in the show, right? You know, I'm a I'm a you know middle aged sure. white dude, so right. I, I you know them doing that stuff is like oh well that's kind of cool, but is it though, right? That, th- that's pretty much the only thing I had on that, and I sure. wanted to, I, I haven't looked up anything, but I didn't know if anyone was like oh man this is horrible or if, if no in fact know, I haven't everyone's like 
I haven't seen anything like that uh, with people just, you know, uh, dissing it. I think certainly the repeated message that comes up throughout the show, and I don't want to give too many spoilers away, um, but one of the repeated things that comes up again and again throughout the show, maybe in more than half of the episodes is a bulletproof black man, right? Uh, And so I think in light of what has been going on, having Luke Cage out there uh, as this hero and discussing why, you know, at one point Luke Cage is running from the cops and they're like, well, if he's innocent, why is he running? And they talk about it. he's a black man yeah. and and he's been accused of a crime and he's being chased by the police. Why, why do you think he wants to run? It's very important that this is a, that it's that he's a bulletproof black man, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's probably a big, important message that a lot of people are going to pick up on throughout the series. But there's some other big, important topics that are uh, discussed and brought up much more subtly that other people have yes. uh, discussed in media and other outlets over the years that, you know, um, things about the family unit. Why isn't the family unit together? What happens when the father is absent? Um, yep. uh, you know, what are we you know, what are groups trying to do to um, change the way that people look at them or have views on them? So there's a lot of those little messages that are dotted throughout that I haven't seen anybody really talk about yet. Um, because everyone's been focusing on the fact that Luke Cage is bulletproof. So, uh, I think that, I think that overall, and I finished the uh, series uh, today, I just finished it uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, I think it's really good. And I think there are good messages, uh, for everybody in the piece. And plus it's a really cool, uh, action piece. And it, and I know some people have said that, no, this isn't black exploitation, but a lot of it really feels like. It's borrowing right, heavily from the theme and the vibe of black exploitation because a lot of it, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, this is like an episode of Shaft a- at times. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's what I felt too. I was like, I felt, and I mean, again, I not that I was guilty watching it, but it right. just felt like, oh man, okay, should I'm like, this is really well done. Mm-hmm. The music is really well done, mm-hmm. and you know for a fact those actors wouldn't be part of something that was. You know, especially this day and age, right? They wouldn't. I mean, yes, a paycheck's a paycheck, but I don't think those actors would be. No, and I don't. You mean, know, doing I, something that would be yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know, exploited, de- yeah, detrimental right. to society in that way. Right. No. In in the case of when I talk about black exploitation, I'm not talking about taking advantage of black culture or black audiences to make a buck. I'm talking about a lot of the themes and the vibes that ran through those movies right. of the '70s about standing up, being a man, taking responsibility looking out for one another, you know, being there, doing what's right. I, that's, those are the things that I feel from it. And of course the black, black exploitation films also had a very unique look to them and they used music in a very effective way. And that is what's being used in this as well. And so from that standpoint, I think that they borrowed a lot of very positive themes uh, from that genre of films to help push that message forward. Yeah. It, the other thing that I noticed be, between, um, you know, Jessica Jones and and the other uh, Daredevil and mm-hmm. with the Punisher and everything, mm-hmm. this one seemed, which was weird, this one seemed a lot brighter. As far right? as hopeful, or are you like, talking about the look? No, I'm just, it's just the feel and the look, right? Oh, okay. I mean, a lot of the action stuff was darn done during the day. There's mm-hmm. a lot of daytime scenes. Now, Jessica Jones had some of those too, but there was a ton of nighttime stuff. Yeah. But, you know, uh, a lot of times everything's happening during the day. It's, mm-hmm. You know, they're driving during the day, not a lot of nighttime stuff, but it just, it, but even the feel of it was a lot brighter, a lot more yeah. 
um, th- there was a lot of those messages that were, we are going to rebuild. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Everything there, there is a, a bright brightness that is still beaming throughout, you know, Harlem mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. if you want to say that. But so, it just felt a lot more. Optimistic. Know, I, the only thing I can think of is like, yeah, you know, even optimistic, but a lot more brighter. Mm-hmm. Part of that I think has to do with the color palette, and I, I've talked about this, especially with Jessica Jones. In the in the Jessica Jones series, you had this very purplish uh, color palette that right. ran throughout every shot of the show because you had the purple man as the big theme. This one I noticed at first I thought it was it was yellow and green, but now I've I've since changed that to the color palette in this was yellow and orange and they were or yellow and red. Uh, and they were using both of those, I think, in a contradictory message, right? In that when you think of Luke Cage, what color do you think of? Right. The yellow and Yeah, you think of you think yeah. of yellow because I mean from yeah. For most of us, we remember Luke Cage as this guy who wears a big yellow, you know, uh, uh, shirt. Coffee shirt, yeah. And and so throughout this, and even the opening sequence is all kind of in a gold-yellow kind of tone, throughout the series, you will notice yellow is predominant in most shots. And what's interesting is yellow is most predominant, or prominent, not predominant, uh, prominent in scenes where the villain or villains start to feel the pressure from Luke Cage. So every time that we see, um, um, what's the, the main villainess's name? Um, Cottonmouth? No, 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 no. Uh, his cousin. Diamondback. No, no, no. His cousin. Um, Cottonmouth's cousin. What's her name? Um, um, Oh, oh, the council woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So her entire house inside is yellow. If you're, Uh, if you are in the club, uh, Cottonmouth's club, uh, well, yeah, that's red, um, but there are tints of yellow, and especially when he's looking out in stage when Cottonmouth is still alive, the curtains are usually yellow. There's bright, uh, you know, his um, the um, marble is all lit up and is all yellow. So that's like this pressure from the outside of Luke Cage um, as this background presence with the villainous activities. Flip that around, and when you're looking at it from the Luke Cage perspective, a lot of scenes that he is in, especially when he's feeling pressure, there is a red tone throughout or a red color palette throughout because now he's feeling pressure from Cottonmouth and uh, Stryker and other people that are causing right. him trouble. And so I found that very fascinating to look and see how they use color uh, in a contradictory manner throughout this entire series. And so for others that are watching it or have yet to watch it, be on the lookout because, again, once I think once you see this, you can't unsee it. And um, that that color theme that they use now is going a little bit deeper than the ever present purples that the uh, or violets that the uh, that the purple man was using over in Jessica Jones. So I really appreciate that they're even taking it to a deeper psychological level in how we understand uh, color and how it affects people. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it and I think people should go go check it out. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely good. I. It, it was good. And then on a. On a side note, um, because my son, they had a, a day off, and then, of course, they had the last two days off from school mm-hmm. from the hurricane stuff. So I kept bugging him. I'm like, listen, you need to watch Stranger Things. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then he watched the first episode, I think, one night and uh, on Sunday night, mm-hmm. and then blew through the rest of them on Monday. He was like, oh, what? <laughs> I'm like, there's going to be a second season. Don't worry. But when? I was like, next year. Don't know. So... He's looked out too, so it's all good. 
Very good. Well, at least everybody has seen it now. Yeah. Your daughter has seen but, it too? Uh, oh, no, no. Oh, she hasn't? Too too she, scary for her? She, well, yeah. She's a little too young for that right now. So, And she wouldn't get all the cool stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but she's only 10. I, I don't want to... Yeah, it, it's okay. It's all good. Cool. Anything else, man? But, uh, nope. Uh, I... I did get to see Flash. I haven't listened to the Flashback podcast yet, but I did. Uh, I did see the Flash. That that was enjoyable. It was good. it was good. Um, good. I, I thought they were going to stay in the uh, kind of those that secondary timeline for a little longer. But yeah, I really thought that they were going to stay there a couple of a uh, couple of episodes, but they didn't. So, um, yeah, but the uh, but the end was very very cool though. The end was very cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see what they do with this in the next couple of weeks. Now we know that. Yeah episode i think it's three is a kevin smith episode uh i think it's episode three i don't think it's episode six um but i know yeah. by episode three that kevin smith should pop in for another for another um directing gig cool and then very excited for monday night and the whole supergirl thing That's oh yeah yeah be, that uh, will also that be, be fun that will also be interesting to see how they do that i'll uh, probably try to watch that uh at least sometime next week uh problem is as we're always recording shows at night it's not always possible to watch the show that evening. Right. Uh, so I usually yeah. catch it on iTunes the next day and watch it during my lunchtime. So um, I'll probably catch Supergirl What's up next with CW, week. man? They should be sending you, they should be sending know, you right? new copies a week in advance. What's up I know. With that? I, I wish they would because what would be great, and I would sign an embargo. I wouldn't have a problem signing an embargo saying, hey, I won't release this article right. or we won't release this podcast until you know, 8 a.m. the next day or something like that, or until after it's aired on the West Coast so that no one is spoiled. But if I had, right. if I had even a couple of days ahead to have the, the, uh, the Flash episodes, I could have the article written so that it's up the same night that the episode airs. We could have the Flashback podcast up as uh, soon as the episode airs, and we could record all that in advance. But uh, they haven't been that great to us yet in getting those copies. Uh, Stars is a little bit better at getting us screener copies, but... Um, no one at the moment is too interested in reviewing pirate or whatever that Viking show is. And there's a think of pirates, something or other and something else, but uh, oh, they're yeah. really good at getting a screener copies. Yeah, I did. I was watching that pirate one. I kind of fell off the, the, um, I think it was black sails or something yeah, that's like what that. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was good. The first couple of seasons was good. I kind of held off. Oh, and then the last MacGyver, I did watch MacGyver. Oh, I haven't watched that. Is it horrible? Oh, it, it's, I'll just warn you, it starts off, I mean, it's like, I mean, granted, he's like in his 20s, and they do all this stuff, and it's like, okay, I see what you're trying to do, but then he starts doing voiceover. Now, I can't remember if the old one had voiceover when he was making his... Yeah. When he was making... But when he was making his stuff, right? Yes, he did. He would tell some story uh, about his uncle or his grandpa or whoever that he used to hang out with. And um, as he would cobble these things together, it's somehow the story right. he's talking about relates to what he's doing. Right. But the thing is here, it, it like it shows you, you know, um, cyanide or batteries or um, toilet paper. Oh, it yeah. like highlights what he's using and, oh, okay. and like labeled it. It's like, That's oh, weird. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I, I haven't watched the second episode, but I mean, it, Mac is. I, it, I don't know. It just 
but <laughs> now is it is it I'm any way to give it a couple more episodes is it any it way at not, all related to the original series yes yeah it, it, it's the same it, kind of the same premise no, of I mean, where it's like he, the, the macgyver character is he like some relation to the richard dean anderson character no no oh, okay. this is no 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 well, no, the, he, maybe that's a saving grace for it is that it's not trying to totally oh, crap yeah. on the uh, legacy of the original series. Yeah, otherwise Harry Winkler would come and beat them. Probably. Well, Henry Winkler's a nice guy, but uh, yeah, I'm sure oh, he'd yeah. be kind of upset about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, I don't know, it's just, I don't want to say it was like made for millennials, but that's kind mm-hmm. of what it felt like. It was like almost holding your hand going to every single thing, like, yeah, we, we, we know what that is, or, you know, just because, he, you know, he's telling you what he's doing, so he's grabbing it. We, we kind of get it that that's that thing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't have to kind of spoon feed it to us. But, yeah, that's too again, I'll give a couple more episodes. See, the um, I, if my wife told me, and it was weird, the guy that's, I was wondering, the guy who's playing MacGyver, I'm like, who is this guy? He mm-hmm. looks so familiar. He was the love interest in the Hannah Montana movie. Oh, really? Wow. He was he was the cowboy, the blonde cowboy that did the eggs or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, so, having never the, seen the Hannah Montana movie, I can't well, I can't well, uh, I can't be too amazed beyond wow he was in the Hannah Montana movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have a daughter, so yep, that's I figured. the reason why I watched it. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it is, Nate. <laughs> so, but other than that, we're all good, sir. All right, cool, Nate. Glad you're okay, and uh, take care and try to get some uh, some rest and relaxation this weekend. Definitely. Thank right. you, sir. Yep, bye. Bye. Into every generation, a MacGyver must fall, right? Uh, so the last month, for the last month or so, uh, my son has been involved in traveling soccer. Now he's played the Hayes Recreation Commission's soccer, the local city soccer stuff, and we've had a lot of mixed results with that because it's volunteer coaches. Some coaches are into it, some aren't. Um, you're not really playing at a really high competitive level. Uh, so this year, uh, Mason wanted to go and do uh, traveling soccer, where we travel to a bunch of different tournaments in a bunch of different cities in the state, and we compete against other uh, teams in that state. And uh, so we went and did it, and I think it's a fantastic for him. I think it, it's going to help him grow, and he gets to compete against other people to see how this, um, uh, to see you know how he stands and what he needs to improve on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this year they did really good. Um, they went to four tournaments over four weekends. Uh, they took second place in two of those tournaments, which last year I don't think they got any placing at all. So they got two. Um, uh, two second place awards. And then the final one that I kind of was tweeting about last week on uh, Sunday evening was that there was a three way tie for first place. And because of goal differential, which some of you explained that to me, which I still don't agree with because of goal differential, uh, Mason's team took third place instead of second place, which I think they should have gotten the second place on that one only because the team that did take second place, they beat when they were playing them in, in the tournament. Uh, so just because of that, I think they should have gotten second place, but they went to score differential instead of that. And because the first place team had beaten the last place team by 13 to nothing. And then the second place team had beaten the last team eight to nothing. And then Mason's team had beaten the last place team, like five to two or something like that. That's how they went on the uh, goal differential to, to get that, to get that ranking, but whatever. Uh, I've talked before about 
you know, am I a bad parent? Is bad parenting, et cetera. And, you know, I think everybody needs some improvement on parenting, but I was greatly disturbed by the parenting that I saw while on these traveling soccers. And it really scares me. Now, um, recently I was listening to a podcast where they had a guy who wrote a book about, um, basically athletic parents or parents of, of athletes, student athletes, and the pressure that's put on them. And essentially the troubles that parents, uh, can cause unknowingly. Right. And so for me, I was like, Oh, maybe I'm doing part of this because, during the games, I'm always like, yes, Mason, come on, go out there, show them your feet. Let's let's move it. And you hear a lot of parents saying, come on, let's move it. Let's move it. Let's go. Let's go. Hustle, hustle, hustle. And I was talking to Mason, I think after the second tournament or something like that. And I was like, well, does it bother you that I'm that I am um, yelling at you from the sidelines? And he was basically like, well, you know, I don't mind that you that you cheer and that you yell, but you're saying things that is kind of against what the coach wants me to do. And so I don't appreciate that. And I was like, okay, would it just be better if I just clapped and cheered whenever you scored a point or when your team scored a point and then just was quiet the rest of the time? He's like, that would be great. I was like, okay, buddy, then I won't do that in the other games. And so he seemed to like that. And that was fine. And I'll be happy to just sit there. I put in my earbuds and listen to music or podcasts or whatever while I'm watching and and get a cheer him when he does good things. And he scored many goals this year. I'm not saying that he's the reason why they took second place at these tournaments, but last year they got nothing. This is the first year he's on. And now they got, you know, second place. Eh, I'm one of those parents, right? I think my kid's great, but I think the, the problem becomes is that there are sometimes some things that I witnessed where parents were very, not verbally, um, abusive during the game. Um, you'd hear some parents that really got freaked out and even some coaches that would get a little bit too verbal in there. Come on, let's move. What's wrong with you kind of, uh, comments. And so that kind of bothered me, but I do know that those kind of parents exist. What I wasn't expecting was the racism name calling and other things that took place at these tournaments, not from the kids, but from the parents. So the first tournament we went to in Topeka, uh, we got beat by a team from, I can't remember if it was Garden City or Dodge City. But the game, the final game was very, very close between my son's team and this other team. And as everyone was picking up their stuff after the game was over and people were walking away, one of the fathers was from the other team who won, by the way. Their team won, and but it was like eight to five, something like that. They, they beat him by a couple of points. As they're walking away, the father is saying to the son, you almost got your asses kicked by a bunch of white boys. I didn't hear it. My dad heard it and called the guy an asshole <laughs> for, uh, sorry for the language over there at Alpha Geek Media, sorry. Uh, but called the guy an a-hole for saying that to his son. And then my mom was there too and told him to shut up. And, and then I, because I was talking to some other people, but I, I was really surprised that that was said uh, to a son. You know, you almost got your asses kicked by a bunch of white guys or a bunch of white boys. So that was the first shocking thing that happened to me. It's like, well, okay, I can see that coming out. It still kind of bothered me. I wanted to talk about it a couple of weeks ago, but I'm glad I waited because then I could see some of the other things that parents do. Um, so another thing that I noticed is teams that had lost. Uh, there was, there was one game that Mason learned the idea of, what a hollow victory means because in, in one of the games that they took second place in the tournament, uh, the other team that they were playing against, it was tied. There was a kid on the other team who was trying to kick and clear it out. And so he was trying to kick it behind him 
and cleared out, but he didn't really pay attention to where the goal was and the goalie wasn't expecting it. And so the kid scored a point for his, for our team by accident. Cause it went in the goal and the goalie didn't catch it. And, you know, so we won that way as a hollow victory. Mason kind of understands what that means. Now everybody felt bad for this kid and this kid was bawling and crying on the field. And everyone's like really feeling bad for this guy except for the coach and the parents who were just yelling, what did you do? Oh, what did you do? How could you do that? What were you thinking? And so when you're telling kids, you know, basically he's a failure and a screw up, man, no wonder the kid was crying during the game. I don't know what happened afterwards, but you know, the kid was feeling bad because he, he did this. Was he feeling bad because he scored the point for our team or was he feeling bad and scared because he knew he was going to get even worse when the game was over and he was with his parents. I don't know. I didn't stick around to find out, but it, it troubled me deeply. Of course, everybody on, on the sidelines was very encouraging to the kid on both sides saying, Hey, it's okay. Mistakes happen. It's totally okay. And all right. The other thing that really surprised me was at the last game. Now we, again, this last tournament that we went to, um, we did not, um, we didn't, uh, we, that's the one we got third place on. And this is something that I didn't know that happened in soccer at all, uh, or really in any young team traveling sports, whatever. Uh, at the end of the game, all the parents would get up and we'd form a little tunnel and the kids would run down and we'd slap their hands and tell everybody good job. And most of the time, it's just our kids that are running through the t- tunnel. The the opposing team usually doesn't, but sometimes they did. And parents are really cool, uh, or at least the parents that I was with were really cool because even though they would run through, we'd say, hey, you guys did a great job. You did a great job, whether they won or lost, just telling them great job. You did a good job. Uh, that's sportsmanship, I think, right? Uh, and so on this last game, the other uh, team's parents had also created a tunnel that both their kids and our kids started running through. And, you know, we were telling our kids, good job, good job, good job. And this is, again, from my perspective, from the people that I could hear around me, they run through, my son's team runs through, and then they run through the other parents' tunnels because, hey, those kids did it. And as my son was running through the tunnel, he was telling me afterwards, he was saying, dad, a lot of those other parents were saying bad things to us. I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, they were calling us cheaters and, and losers and that we shouldn't have won the game. What the heck, people? I mean, I may be a very vocal parent and I may yell at the ref when I think that uh, they're not catching penalties that are obvious penalties when there's tripping occurring, when there's pushing and shoving and the arm does go up a little high and out. That's not supposed to happen at this level. Uh, you know, I'll be pretty vocal and be yelling at the ref. Hey, come on, ref. That's, you know, and I'm obviously much louder than than this. But come on, ref. I mean, that's a foul. You know, that kind of stuff I think would be typical for a parent. But at no point would a winning kid that would run through my line that had beat my son's team, would I ever call the kid a cheater or a loser or anything like that? Nor would I ever try to tell my son, hey, man, you got your butts kicked by this other racial group. Or you're a failure because you missed that ball or you made a mistake. Holy crap is the only thing that I came away from this first season of playing traveling soccer. I mean, for the most part, it was a great experience. This, my son really loved it a lot. But when I saw that kind of parenting, it kind of made me feel a little bit better about, you know, getting after my son about lying that we talked about several weeks ago, or even telling him to hustle a little bit more out on the field. 
But when we talk about things that are going on in Luke Cage and messages that are being sent out about family units and what the families are doing, parents, my God, we are probably screwing up our kids more than anything that happens at the playground or in other places. I was shocked. I was disappointed. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm very glad that my son's team's parents weren't also doing those kind of antics. I mean, they were yelling and telling their kids to hurry up. I think there was maybe one parent who may be a little bit too hard on their kid because they have another son who's in the upper, the next level up for soccer. And so they're putting a lot of pressure on him to be like his, his brother. But I was just, holy cow. And I don't know if, if you guys have experienced that at all. Uh, we have a, just the red who's saying in the comment section, we have uh, evil hockey parents like that here. They actually change the league rules so that parents will be kicked out of games uh, as per the ref. And I think that's a great idea. Uh, I really do. But here's the problem. The incidents that I'm talking about didn't happen during the game, except for the kid that kicked the goal in it. And his parents were just kind of freaking out. Like, what'd you do? Why would you do that? If, I would imagine that if there were parents on the sidelines calling kids names on the field or bad names on the field or whatever, or encouraging bad behavior on the field, then the ref would put a stop to that. In fact, one game, it was getting very physical and the ref had to go and talk to the other team's coach and say, Hey, you can't be saying those things to your kids that look like it was encouraging uh, some extra violent activity. And the ref was like, I didn't say, or the coach was like, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Uh, so I do think that that stuff does happen in our league. I haven't read all the rules in our league, but these were things that were happening after the game, right? It's kind of like you, uh, your kid comes up to you and you, um, you know, just grab their neck and it's like, good game. You know, sometimes you need to put your hand on your back, of your kid's head to give them a little, Hey, you did a good job. You know, may not look like a lot. Maybe they're pinching really hard or maybe they're doing something that on a first glance doesn't look really bad, but really is, uh, in the case of these actions that are going on after the game, nobody has control over that except for we as other parents. And I, on one part, I was like, after I heard that my dad had tried to confront or at least called the other kid's dad, a, a, an a-hole, uh, I was kind of like, Oh dad, I wish you wouldn't get involved like that. But on the other hand, I think we as parents should get involved. You know, what's the, what's the, what's the, um, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think that maybe we sometimes need to, when we see that kind of verbal or mental or sometimes physical abuse going on, I think we really need to step in and say something. And it had, had I heard a parent say, Oh, you're a cheater. You're a loser. I would have, I probably would have definitely said something for that because that's kind of action that's uncalled for, but it makes me wonder, are we so fan fanatical about sports because we see this at, at any sporting event, when fans get riled up, when they get excited, when your team is winning, you're all high fives and cheering and yelling. But when things go bad for your team, you start getting vocal and you start getting violent. And we as a crowd get all in a tizzy and a frenzy so much so that we've seen, you know, unfortunate things happen outside of games where suddenly someone starts attacking another person, smacking a person. We see these a political uh, conventions and, and rallies and things where people are attacking one another over beliefs systems, man, we are whacked out as a civilization. If we think that this kind of stuff is acceptable, right? And certainly when we're doing this to our kids, it, those three things that I mentioned <laughs> sent three messages to me. The next generation is going to pick up those same things from their kids. They're going to pick up racism from their parents. They're going to pick up, uh, uh, mental abuse from their parent, and they're going to pass that on to their kid. Or in some cases, they're going to put 
uh, into the child's mind that it is okay to be a uh, not a very good teammate or a sports uh, fan or supporter of a team when you do those kinds of things. And we got to really stop that cycle. We've got to stop this horrible abuse that's going on with our kids. Now, again, I'm not saying that I'm a perfect parent because I blew up at my kid again this week because he was complaining about not wanting to wear his warm clothes on a day when it was going to be incredibly cold outside. And I told him, listen, you know, I had to, I had to yell at him to get him to listen. So I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I know I don't go out doing some of the things that I saw parents doing at, at these sporting events. So if you're a child, if you're a parent of a child that's in sports, I, I, I wish I would have found this book before uh, today's show. I, I wish we would just stop and think about the things that we're saying to our kids and how that will impact them, especially in the sports arena going forward, because I can see many of these kids. I can see that poor kid who kicked that ball in the goal, getting yelled at by his parents, getting yelled at by his coach, probably getting yelled at by his teammates. And because of that vitriol that's being spewed to him, because he's being lessened as a person, as an athlete, that event may have zapped all of the fun out of playing for him. And he may decide to never return to soccer again or to any sport again and may decide to go do something else. Flip that around. What if everyone had just said, hey, man, stuff happens. Let's just go have fun in the grand scheme of things. There are no there are no uh, scouts out here looking to place you in a team. It's just a blip on the radar. Let's move on. Maybe we should all move on. All right, I think that's where we wrap it up uh, for this week because now I'm getting kind of angry and getting kind of upset over these kinds of things because I, I really don't think that that kind of stuff should have happened. Nate, I'm glad you're safe. How about that? I'm glad you're safe. Uh, I see just as saying that the league rules are also covering parents' misconduct in the crowd before and after the games if enough complaints are made. That's terrible. They're uh, teaching them to be poor sports uh, and racists. Individual sports probably don't support that tribal instinct like team sports. I probably agree with you because uh, I ran cross country as a kid and we never had that kind of stuff in high school. Um, yeah, and tribalism. I mean, there's there can be some good things and bad things said about your tribe, right? But how far does that tribe go to tear down other groups or other organizations or to indoctrinate bad behavior into their own groups? How do we, so how do we develop community and fellowship despite a society of division? It's hard, right? It really is hard. I think we need to get to this point where we need to realize that we are only on this planet for a short amount of time and we are not, we're not in it for us. We're in it, we're in it for the people that are coming after us. And I think if we can get past that, if we can get past this, and again, I don't want to make this political, but it's starting to become political because we have two parties that are so opposed to one another that one party could say it's day at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and the other party would, would swear up and down that it's night and do everything in their power to try to convince everyone else that it is indeed night when it's clearly not. I think there needs to be some reaching across the aisles. I think there needs to be some understanding that, yeah, we can have differences of opinion, but we need to work toward a common good. Now, defining what the common good is... You know, maybe it's the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Let's satisfy those for everyone first. And then we can bicker about whether these two people should be together or not. I think we'd be in a better place. 
All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah, Nate's right here. He says a lot of parents are, are living through their kids. Uh, and it is. And it's that, it's that, say, you know, oh, man, <laughs> I keep saying we're out of time. I talked about this on, if you guys want to, I'm on Periscope. And usually on Friday nights while I'm editing Critical Hit, I'll pop in for about 30 minutes or so on Periscope to do a feed where you guys can ask me questions and we can talk about things. And occasionally I get a bunch of trolls that just pop in with some really hate and vitriol. And I think it does boil down to here are people that may have failed in their lives or have gone, have not succeeded in areas that they want to achieve in. Maybe they weren't, maybe they were the athlete in high school, but they never went anywhere past that or college or whatever. And now they're living vicariously through their child. And so they're putting that pressure on the child because they want those actions. And that can, that can also be very very detrimental as well. I think that troll mentality and activity that we see online falls in the same way. Whenever you're obviously hating on someone that creates something, it's because inside you're super jealous that you are not able to create or you're not able to to do. And so therefore all you want to do is tear down everyone else. Something to think about. Everything relates to politics, says Joe Love. Let's be honest, it affects everything. It certainly does. It certainly does, Joe. But your last name, I think, is a good way to go out this week. Or maybe it's John Love. No, Joe Love. Let's spread a little love in this world, everybody. Speaking of love, here are some of the awesome people that our, are our VIP and Patreon members. They're making this show possible week after week. In fact, they're the ones that are making most of everything that we do at Major Spoilers possible, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a website, whether it be a video that we do, whether it be this show each and every week. They're making it possible, and I want to thank each and every one of them, and the best way to do it is by showing their names in the credits. You found some, some worth in this show. You found some entertainment in this show please consider supporting us patreon.com slash major spoilers and until next week take care everybody let's spread some love let's hug our kids let's take care of one another bye everyone